God bless you, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to today's Marksman Prophet. My name is Wilmar Navarro, and I am your host. Today's topic, how to win the storms of life. Have you been in a storm? Well, I can say I've been in a storm. Last week, I was in a storm. I was in an internal storm. There was a physical storm outside. There was a mental storm I was going through when I was going to release this message. So... I want to share that, that I just came out of a storm. Now, I want to share this. The natural storms are dangerous and they affect us all, but they are only for a moment. But the emotional and spiritual storms affect our life for a long time. There are believers that are in a storm while there are others getting ready to come out of a storm, but are living in the effects of it. How do we win the storms of life? By the example of Jesus, where he defeated a natural and a spiritual storm through his faith. Today's bullseye scripture is Mark 4, 39 through 41. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And this wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the winds and the waves obey him? See, when you're going through a storm, you need to invite the Prince of Peace in your boat. You need to invite the Prince of Peace in your storm to speak shalom, peace, a wholeness to your life. To calm the winds that are coming against you, the waves that are coming against you, the things that are coming against you, that the Lord brings you peace and you remain in a place of peace. So you're able to hear him very distinctly. You're able to hear him clearly. Let's go into some of the different types of storms. The first one is a marital storms. All couples have them. Sometimes they come in the form of discipline and correction you bring to your children. Ephesians 6, 1 and 4 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth and you and your fathers do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the lord see it's important to correct your child and knowing how to correct the child see um this past week i, I, I met up with the young man that i'm mentoring and we spoke about the discipline of god how god uses discipline to speak to us and sometimes discipline a correction from god sometimes is not the same way a parent will correct Sometimes a correction, yes, there's a discipline. He might tell you don't do certain stuff and he won't allow you to do certain stuff because you did not obey or he might show you his goodness that will lead you to repentance. His goodness and his kindness that leads you to repentance. First Timothy 3 and 4 says, One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. This is such an important scripture. This is the context of the scriptures about those who are preaching the gospel that their house has to be in order. If the house is not in order, they should not be preaching the gospel. The children have to be in submission with all reverence, all the fear of the God. They're, they're, they're able to, to not control the children, but the children are able to be submissive and they understand the, the authority that's over their lives as the father and the mother are together. Sometimes storms, they come in, in, the, in the case of how you spend well or badly your finances. Isaiah 55, 1 and 2 says, If you are thirsty, come here. Come there is water for all. Whoever is poor and penniless, can they still come and buy the food I sell? There's no cost here. Have some food. Hearty 
and delicious and beverages, pure and good. I don't understand why you spend your money for things that don't nourish or work so hard for what leaves you empty. Attend to me and eat what is good. Enjoy the riches, most delectable of things. I'm sharing this scripture because it's very important for you to know that when you are in a marriage, when you are uh, uh, pursuing somebody in a relationship, you have to be wise with your finances. You got to know how to divide between what you need and what you want. And what you want is not necessarily what you need. But what you need is something that you need for the moment and you need for the time. Maybe, for example, if if your computer broke down, that is a need. You need it for ministry. You need it for, for you know, for um, whatever is your gift and talent. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's arts and entertainment. Maybe it's uh, graphic arts. You need a computer. But wanting something else, that's not necessarily something you need. So you got to be wise with your spending. Sometimes the storm comes to the lack of respect and consideration. Ephesians 5, 21 through 26, it says, Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything, in respect and honor. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Why is this so important? God put an order in a household. Is God first then the husband or the priest, then the wife, then the children. God put that order. When that the order is not in place, there is chaos in the home. The children are not going to be obedient to you if there's this order. If the wife is not submitting to the husband, she won't be able to be able to take care of the children. Because what you honor, you receive from. Hear that again. What you honor, you receive from. The Bible says those who honor God will be honored by God. But those who don't honor God will be less esteemed. So it's very important to know that God placed an order of the father or the husband, the priesthood first, then the wife, then the children. But God comes in preeminence out of everything. The wife also has to put God first, not just the husband. The husband is accountable for many things, but when there is a disorder, the husband has to bring order. It's the husband who brings order. I spoke about this in a previous podcast, how a father or a husband or a priest brings order into the home or brings borders, brings boundaries that are needed in the home. So that's why when 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 God has a, a husband or a father say certain things, and it is the final thing. Why? Because God gave them wisdom. God gave them an authority. God gave them the final say for a reason. The wife can share an opinion. They can share what's in their heart. But the man of God is making the final decision because he's leading the family. That's the reason. They work together. They co-labor together. But the man of God has the final decision because God put him as head. When you don't honor the head, you're cutting off the head. So therefore, you're a body without a head. You don't know. You don't have eyes, neither ears to hear. So you have neither a mouth to speak. You have no direction. You just you're just a headless body. But when you honor the head that God put in place, that 
anointing, like Psalm 133 says that, it's like when, when brethren dwell together in harmony and in unity, God commands his blessing in his eternal life. It's like the anointing that will drip down Aaron's beard and touch his garment. There is an order in the house that God puts in place. So wives, but the first thing before anything, so submitting to one another in the fear of God. That is the first point. Putting God first as husband and wife. Then it says, wives, uh, honor and respect your husband. Submit to your husband. But the only way a wife can submit to their husband is if they submit to God first. If they can't submit to God, how are they going to submit to their husband? Likewise, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Love her like you love your own body, right? I did not read that scripture, but that is in this context of the scripture too. And they sanctify her with the with the washing of the word. You read her, to her the word. You wash her with the word. You, you speak life into her. You edify her. You build her up. You, you know, the Bible says that a husband praises a God-fearing woman is worthy of praise by who by the husband because beauty is passing but the the, the woman who fears the lord is worthy of praise by who the husband the bible says that the children will praise her so in the bible says that the Proverbs 31 woman that the wife is you know she's a child woman she's a woman of strength she's clothed with dignity dignity honor and strength and she's able to rejoice in the days that are to come so the husband will honor her the husband will lift her up will encourage her will not tear her down so the husband will speak with wisdom that's why when you read proverbs 18 where it says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing is find favor of god there's a scripture right next to it that says power of life and death are in the tongue and those who love it shall eat the fruit of it so god put that in context for a reason god knows what he does so what i'm saying to you Submit to one another in the fear of God. God has me here very strong right now. Because in this hour, I spoke about this concerning the word for 2022, that God is bringing order in the household. He's bringing the priesthood to bring order and to bring correction. And God's going to use husbands to correct their wives. God's going to use the, the, the priesthood to correct the children because it's needed. The house has been in chaos and God is dealing with the house of God right now. God, the Bible says, if judgment will start, it will start in the house of God. When I say judgment, is God bringing things into order, into things into righteousness, where he's balancing the scales and things are actually working in your favor. He God puts things in order. So then, because remember, the earth was no and void it was it was dark but he said let there be light and order was brought to the chaos come on order is being brought to chaos of many of you people's lives who are listening to me next storm financial storms almost all families have them they come through the loss of a business or a child but we have promises in the bible psalms 37 verse 23 and 25 says the step of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaking nor his descendants begging bread. This is such a beautiful promise because if you might have lost a job or your business, you might have lost a business or it's not well going well with the business. The Lord's going to order your steps because you're delighting in the way of God. He's going to keep you from, if, even if you fell, fall, he's going to pick you up. He's going to hold you. He's going to catch you. God is going to catch you with his favor, with his goodness and his mercy that follows you all the day of your life. It says, I have been young. Remember when you were young and, and, and it was provided for you and now you're older and it's been provided for you. What about your children? God's going to take care of you. Just like he took care of you, uh, of you he's going to take care of your children. So I want to encourage you. God is going to provide. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. We're going to read that in a moment 
uh, coming up this scripture. Psalm 23 verse 1. I'm reading the voice translation. The eternal is my shepherd. He cares for me always. That's beautiful. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Verse 2. He provides me rest in, in rich green fields beside streams of refreshing water. He soothes my fears. He makes me whole again, steering me off worn hard paths to roads where truth and righteousness echo his name. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and puts me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He refreshes me. So God is refreshing many of you in this hour. Maybe you might have lost a job. Maybe God's calling you to full-time ministry and you're kind of afraid. Now listen, don't be afraid. Peter, come out of the boat. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, the storms of life may come. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you will have to fear those storms because the Lord said, come. If God gave you a word about coming out of your comfort zone, if the Lord gave you a word of coming, of coming out of the place of complacency and stepping into full-time ministry, stepping into a business, leaving that job and stepping into something new, trust him. Has he failed you before? God will never fail you. God is not like man. He's not a man to lie. He's a son of man to repent. It is impossible for God to lie. Well, God is blessed who can curse. When God says something, he's going to do it. The believer learns to depend on God when they're in a financial situation. Hebrews 13 and 5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have because he said, I will never leave you. I will always be by your side. Philippians 4, 10 through 19. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked an opportunity to act. There's many of you in this hour who lack an opportunity to act. Uh, opportunities are coming to you. The Bible says he's redeeming the time. When you study that about redeeming the time, it talks about seizing the day, making the most of every opportunity, walking as the wise, not as the foolish. You're walking in wisdom, so you're discerning the time. You're knowing the time. You're knowing what to do in those times. Verse 11. Now that I speak from need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with little, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, through who? Christ. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my difficulty. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Now that I seek, the, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Ephesus that what you sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God, not just my God, your God. So if, you're, if you have given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he is your God. Your God, my God, will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Last year, the Lord called me to step into full-time ministry. He gave me that scripture, Philippians 4, 19. Do you know when, when did I leave my job? April the 19th. 
4.19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. See, Paul learned that, that, that he learned to be a base, he learned to be a bound, he learned to ha have little and have a lot and to prosper. But he knew the secret was to have God. Because if you have God, you have it all. Some of you have a lot of things, but you don't have God. But some of you don't have a lot of things, but you have God. And because you have God, you have it all. You have everything you need because he's going to guide you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to make a way for you. You have the wisdom of God. You have the word of God. You have the principles of the word of God. You have principles of sowing and reaping. Here he said, he said they, they give to me, but it, it, it's, it's for their benefit. It's for their, their profit. They're not just given to me, but they're given to God. They're given to the work of God. See, when you give to a man or a woman of God who is in ministry, you are advancing the kingdom of God. That's why the Lord blesses you. It's not because you're blessing just the individual, but you're advancing the kingdom of God and what they're doing for God, the preaching, the teaching, the evangelizing, the giving, the helping out those who are in need and giving hospitality and everything. You are sowing into God. The Bible says, as you pour into others, you're going to be poured back into. In Proverbs 11, 25, if you, pro, if, you, if, you, if you provide, if you give generously, it will be given back to you generously. If you give sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. So this is a principle in the Bible. You want to increase some in finances? When God raises the way of living, raise up the way you are giving. Stop holding back. God did not give you, I'm breaking, I'm breaking some religious mentalities tonight. I'm dealing with the spirit of greed tonight. You know how you break the back of greed? Give, give, give without expecting nothing in return. Give like never before and you will see the floodgates of heaven open up. The Bible says, bring your, come on, your tithe to the house of the Lord. Come on. And he says, will he not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing that it will overflow that you cannot have no room, enough room for it. He said, you can test me on this. There's so many principles about giving. I don't know why I'm saying this today, but I want to encourage you today. Give. Give to a ministry. Give. Give to people. Give to the homeless. Give to give without expecting anything in return. Do it from the heart. God delights in a cheerful giving. Don't just give out of need, but give from a, from a cheerful giver, that you're a cheerful giver, you're generous. And I pray for the spirit of generosity to be released over your life. And as you are generous, you will see the generosity of God. You will see the favor of God. You will see the abundance of God be released. I prophesy that over your life in Jesus' mighty name. One, another storm is family storms. When you get married, you marry the family. Yes. Did you know that? When you get married, you marry not just your spouse, but your father-in-law or your father in grace or your mother in grace. You marry the children. You marry the aunt, the uncle. You marry the family. So you got to learn how to abide with them. Moses heeded his father-in-law's Jethro's advice. Exodus 18, 18 through 24. But you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You're not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. 
and let them judge the people at all times, then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all these people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. There's a lot of principles here that I'm going to break down. First and foremost, you must heed and listen and obey and hear the voice of someone who has experienced faith, experienced things with God, who has lived life. And I'm talking about elders. And I'm not talking about elders that, that are young. I'm talking about elders that are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. They have gone through some things with God. Listen to their counsel. It says, I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people. I'm reading the scripture again, verse 19 in Exodus 18, verse 19. So that you may bring the difficulties to God. So what God was teaching Moses through his father-in-law, Jethro, was teaching him administration and delegation. So I like it. It says that pick people that are able men, that they're able to do the job. So it's important to be able to do the job. But another thing that's very important is to fear God because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Men of truth, that means there are men of integrity, the men of honor, the men of honesty, right? And I'm just not just saying men, but men and women. You understand me? Hating covetousness. That means you're not desiring what somebody else has. You're not have jealousy. You do not have envy. So this is so important because they can be entrusted with many things. See, God wants to entrust you. Many of you who are listening to me, God wants to entrust you with greater things in this time and season. But it's very important that you Walk in the fear of the Lord, that you walk in a spirit of truth, that you walk with a spirit of excellency, that you walk in integrity because integrity is going to guide you. Integrity is going to have you walking securely. When you walk in integrity, you have nothing to worry about and you will leave an inheritance for your family. So you see here that Jethro gave great wisdom. And I want to share this with you. Listen to the advice of people who are older than you and who've gone before you in the things of God and in this walk with the Lord. So the, here's an example of Jethro, who was Moses' father-in-law. Now we go into another example. Ruth was loyal to her mother-in-law. Now we see the mother-in-law, Naomi. Ruth 1, 15 and 17. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. She was committed. See, when you marry, you marry the family. She was committed to being with her mother-in-law, even though her husband was, was no longer in the picture. And because she honored her, come on, Lord, because she honored her later on, the Lord blessed her with Boaz. Come on. The Lord restored and redeemed Ruth. She honored her. Next storm. 
the labor storms or working storms, an abusive boss, some bad co-workers. We should give testimony of Christ in our job. First Peter 2 and 18 says, Servants be submissive to your masters with proper respect, not only to those who are good and kind, but also to those who are unreasonable. If we're willing to change from a job, we should leave the door open. That means you live in a right, you, the same way you came in, the same way you're going to leave. You're going to leave in a place of honor. Titus 2, 9 and 10. Tell bond servants to be submissive to the masters, to be pleasing and giving satisfaction in every way. Warn them not to talk back or contradict, nor to steal by taking things of small value, but to prove themselves truly loyal and entirely reliable and faithful throughout so that in everything that they may be an ornament and due credit to the teaching which is from and about God our Savior. It's, this talks about being reliable, being trustworthy. Like, you know, if you do a great job, I could give you a perfect example. When I left New Jersey and I, and I had moved to Miami and I was looking for a job, I called the Brookstone in New Jersey and they called the Brookstone in, in, in Miami and they gave a good report because... I had a discipline. I had an, a spirit of excellency. I, I, I worked hard. So my testimony spoke of itself. They, the Bible says, let others praise you, don't praise yourself. So they were acknowledging my work habits and everything. And there was a great recommendation. Why? Because I left in the right way. I left in a place of honor. Okay? The last storm, spiritual storms, the test, the shakings, the temptations, the afflictions. This is what our whole walk consists of. This whole walk consists of knowing how to deal with spiritual storms. It's important to know your weapons of war. The full armor of God. Ephesians 6, 10 through 19. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him. That strength which is boundless might provide. Put on the whole armor, the armor of heavy armed soldier, which God supplies that you may be able to successfully to stand up against all the wiles, the strategies and all the deceits of the devil. For we're not wrestling with flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly and supernatural sphere. Therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all, the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. Stand therefore, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins and having put on the breastplate of integrity and moral of rectitude and right standing with God, the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability and the promptness and the readiness and produced by the goodness of the gospel of peace. This is the Amplified version. That's why you're hearing it like that. Lift up over all the covering, shield of saving faith, Upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one or the fiery darts. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Wields which is the word of God. Pray at all times on every occasion in every season in the spirit. With all manner of prayer and entreaty to that and keep alert 
and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. And pray also for me, that freedom of utterance may be given me, and that I may open my mouth to proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news, the gospel. So here we see the full armor of God. We got to be able to stand in the power and in the presence of God. We got to have the belt, the truth around our loins, the preparation, the gospel of peace on our feet, the helmet of salvation on our head, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, and the sword of the spirit. But we got to pray at all times. Like it says, pray at all times in the spirit and pray that others may be given to you to preach the gospel with boldness and the mystery of the gospel will be revealed to others as you preach. Another one of our weapons is 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 that has to deal with strongholds, the pulling down of strongholds. For the weapons of our warfare, not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for, for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. And as much as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. So that means that when, that every thought we pull down, everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of Christ, everything that thinks that's greater than God, because remember, his ways are not his ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts, but if we're on earth and he's in heaven. How did Jesus defeat the storm, the spiritual storms? By praying. Matthew 26, 36 through 39. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. He said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to speak sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus defeated the spiritual storms by praying. How did Jesus defeat the temptations of the devil? Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew 4 and 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man should not live by bread alone, but everywhere that proceeds from the mouth of God. How do you overcome the temptation of the devil? Speaking the word of God. You know the voice of God. You hear his voice. If you're reading the Bible, you know the Lord's voice. You hear his voice. So you defeat the enemy with the word of God. How did Jesus defeat the storm of infirmity? Matthew 8, 5 through 8. Jesus heals a centurion's servant. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Matthew 8, 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed in that same hour. The storm of infirmity was defeated by the agreement of the word of God with the centurion and Jesus. There was an agreement with two or three touch and agree on anything. It will be established by his stripes. You are healed. You are delivered and set free. How did Jesus win those storms between brothers in Christ? Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, 
be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. This is so important in this day, day and age. Why? Because the love is growing cold like wax due to an offense. But it's a glory of man to forgive an offense quickly. You must forgive quickly an offense. You must let go. See, before you, Lord saying, before you even want to give me a, a, a sacrifice or a blessing or offer an offering to me, you got to be right with your brother, your sister. The Bible says, without holiness, no one will see God. Right? But it also says, if possible, be at peace with all men. How important that is that you have peace in your heart, but you have peace with God and you have peace with your brother. Mark eleven twenty five, forgiveness and prayer. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Forgiveness is very important. How does Jesus win the fears and the afflictions? Matthew 14, 25 and 27. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus affirmed them so they won't be fearful. John 16, 33, these things that I have spoken to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. See the afflictions and the fears. He overcame the world. That's how he dealt with the afflictions. The fears was his trust in the father in heaven. So you have to understand that he is the prince of peace in the middle of your storm. You have to trust that he's making a way for you in this time and this season. So thank you for tuning in to today's Marksman Prophet. My name is Wilma Navarro. Thank you. I just want to just provide for anybody who's listening to uh, this word today. If you want to sow to this ministry, you can through cash app, dollar sign, Mark of Love Ministry. You could do to paypal.me slash Marco Love Ministry. You can also go to my website, MarcoLoveMinistry.com. On there, if you click where it says store, you can go to the store where I have some beautiful shirts that the Lord had me to create. I hope you uh, buy one of them and enjoy them and spread the word. You know, we're advancing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God suffers violence, the violence taken by force. And the kingdom of God can only be advanced by your support and your help, your prayers, your encouragement. I thank you all for who have been tuning in, who have been faithful and encouraging me and supporting me concerning this podcast. I love you all. God bless you until next time. Whatever God puts in your heart to sow, I pray that the Lord will bless you. The Lord will multiply your seed. The Lord will open up blessings, open doors for you of business, job, ministry opportunities. God will give you wisdom, innovation, knowledge, understanding, revelation. God will give you a scribal anointing to write books. God will give you lyrics to write songs. God will cause your creativity to flourish in this time and the season. That God will give you blueprints and strategies for the new things that he's having you to step into. In Jesus' name, God bless you until next time. Bye-bye.